We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Way early this morning, Brad Higdon shared a major spoiler alert from everyone's favorite hit show, sad emojis to express his feelings about the plot twist and a playlist he made to drown out his sorrows. Dude, oversharing alert. Brad, Geico has something worth sharing with those who haven't defriended you. Like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance at Geico.com. So stop moping about the post-apocalyptic world and start saving in the real world. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. I'm Derek Van Riper, joined by Clay Link. You can find me on Twitter at Derek Van Riper. You can find Clay at Clay W. Link. This will be our final episode of the season. We're going to preview the upcoming playoff matchups, focus on DraftKings uh, as far as your playoff strategies go, talk a little bit about playoff pools and make some predictions here that will hopefully set the table for what you might want to do as you play in those various formats. Now, this podcast is, of course, available for subscription on both iTunes and Stitcher. If you happen to be listening on those platforms, please leave us a nice review. We'd greatly appreciate that, and we appreciate all of you who picked us up here over the course of this first season. Uh, Looking forward to some bigger things here in year two with the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. But, Clay, we're going to start off today looking at the playoff preview uh, breaking down each game coming up here on Wild Card Weekend. We're going to start with the Cardinals and Panthers. Cardinals going on the road to Carolina. Pretty difficult fate, really, for Arizona fans to deal with. When you think of where this team was about seven, eight weeks ago uh, before the injuries really depleted what they brought to the table. Panthers are favored by six and a half, which is crazy yeah. when you think about how bad that division has been this year. Is there any reason to think that Arizona can go on the road and pull off the upset with Ryan Lindley getting another start. You know, I, I think it's you know too much to overcome for them. Uh, you know, ended the season with four losses in their final six games. You know, the line may be slightly 
a bit generous in in Carolina's favor. You know, seven, eight, and one, but they did have a nice run at the end of the season uh, at home. I still think that may be a bit too much. Maybe the Cardinals cover, but. Uh, I don't see any way they emerge with a victory here and uh, move on in the in the playoffs. Yeah, looking for potential value here. I mean, one thing that stands out, the Cardinals have struggled against tight ends all season long. They've allowed 85 catches for 1,085 yards and eight touchdowns mm-hmm. to opposing tight ends. It seems like Greg Olson is definitely someone that you'd want to try to use in daily if you can afford to, to pay for him on DraftKings. And if you're playing in a playoff pool where players get knocked out as their team gets eliminated... I wouldn't expect Carolina to play beyond next weekend. Even though I expect yeah. them to win this game, mm-hmm. it's probably a good time to go ahead and use Greg Olson because you're going to have more options next week that you look at, and, and you're going to have players you'd like just as much, whereas this weekend the tight end pool is pretty thin. Yeah, not a lot of great tight end options at all. And Greg Olson, you look at the price, it's pretty reasonable, 5500 on DraftKings. And I think you probably end up just poning up the, the cash and spending that. Otherwise, you know, you, you may go Jason Witten, who's a full thousand dollars cheaper at forty five hundred. But uh, I don't love that matchup nearly as much. I'd probably just go with Greg Olson, get him locked in, and uh, you know, you sh- should still be able to afford quality players elsewhere. You know, as we'll get to later, you know, Le'Veon Bell's out. It looks like AJ Green's going to be out. So th- there's probably some value to be had to, to make up for for paying top dollar for Greg Olson. Yeah, for me, looking at this game for, for other sources of value, Kerwin Williams is somewhat interesting to me. I think if Arizona finds a way to keep it close, it's going to be keeping the ball out of Lindley's hands. And, and Williams has looked okay. You know, the last few weeks he's had some really difficult matchups and the offense has really sputtered. But at the same time, for $3,700, that's not a bad price. He had 67 yards on 17 carries against San Francisco. Had two two carries for four yards in that game against Seattle in Week 16, which certainly gives you some pause. But 15 for 75 against St. Louis in Week 15, and 19 carries for 100 yards back in Week 14 against the Chiefs. Chiefs run defense hasn't been very good, but it just seems like 15 to 17 carries is a reasonable expectation for Williams. Maybe he catches a couple passes. I'm not expecting much there. And, and at 3,700, if he scores and gets you 70 yards, I mean that's a huge source of profit for that price. Yeah, any starting back, a guy who you know is going to see the bulk of the work, that's a great price for any back. And while you know he's not a top-notch runner, he's not that great of a talent, I still think that's a, a pretty fair price and one that I would definitely consider. I'd also consider Jonathan Stewart. Now, the price is you know, not great at uh, $5,300, and the matchup, not ideal. I mean, uh, Arizona's been pretty good against the run all season, but Stewart's really been a, a key piece to the to the Panthers getting this far. I mean, uh, you know, he averaged just 3.8 yards per carry in week 17. Uh, not great at all, but he exceeded uh, 74 yards on the ground in each of his previous four matchups, over 122 uh, in two of those games. So I think they ride him. Maybe he, you know, struggles in the in the per carry department again, but I think uh, the volume of work will be there, and I, I could see him getting in the end zone uh, maybe once, maybe twice. Uh, so, while the price isn't great, and maybe if you want to trim some weight, maybe go Williams, uh, I still think you have to give some consideration to Stewart with with only four games on the slate. Yeah, as far as Ryan Lindley goes, he's 5,200 on DraftKings for this weekend, but even if you're trying to go ultra-contrarian, I, I think you do it somewhere else. Maybe you go Andy Dalton at 6,100. Yeah. We'll kind of throw that out there as an option when we break down that matchup. Uh, as far as the receivers go, Calvin Benjamin at 5,900 might offer up some value. I think you could see the potential for a little bit of upside uh, given that he's not priced anywhere close to what Kelvin Johnson and Des Bryant are priced at but coming off a pretty disappointing game in that uh, division clinching win over the Falcons just one catch for nine yards last week for Kelvin Benjamin yeah really disappointing and kind of hard to trust but I think the talents there you, you have to you have to at least give him some thought, but the price isn't that great. But it's also, I mean, you compare that price to the price of Michael Floyd at 5200 I mean, definitely reasonable. Floyd, pretty impressive in the final game of the regular season, of course. Uh, 12 targets, 153 yards, two touchdowns. If you're like me, though, and you were burned by him during the season, uh, hard to really go back to that well. But if you if you can put your pride to the side, swallow that, uh, could make for a decent decent option here i think lindley uh, is the type of guy who will probably zone in on him uh in in larry fitzgerald and just try to uh you know maybe maybe force it but it also uh could end up paying dividends for him 
Panthers defense, actually the highest price defense on DraftKings this weekend at 3,500. I don't think I'll have the Panthers defense anywhere, even though I'm not very confident in Ryan Lindley. I just think this Carolina defense is a shell of what we saw last year, not forcing turnovers at the same clip. And obviously without Greg Hardy, the pass rush really hasn't been uh, at the same level that we saw a year ago either. So I think there's, there's other options within a few hundred dollars that you can go with that you'd feel a little bit better about the the other Saturday game let's move on to the the Ravens and Steelers Uh, Steelers are three-point favorites in this one they're the home team it's the nightcap Uh, Le'Veon Bell has been ruled out for this game against Baltimore and the thing is Baltimore is really good against the run Mm -hmm. so rather than lean on Josh Harris or Ben Tate who they recently signed or Dre Archer I mean why not just throw it 50 times because Baltimore has been bad against the pass this season all season long I, I feel like this is definitely a good spot for the entire Pittsburgh passing game. Yeah, you know, I was talking with uh, Rotowire's own Mario Puig uh, just recently about this. And, you know, from a game plan standpoint, maybe Le'Veon being out maybe kind of helps the Steelers in some in some respect. I mean, that's kind of insane just considering how great Le'Veon Bell has been this year. But if you do chuck it 50 times, uh, I, I really like the Steelers' chances. I mean, I, I just don't think... Um, Baltimore is able to stop the pass consistently. And you have Big Ben who's capable of these monster games when he approaches 40 attempts. I just think he, he puts up another big game. And, uh, you know, maybe they they give Josh Harris, you know, 10 to 15 carries. But I really don't think they want to put it in his hands a lot with their season on the line. I mean, this guy has just 16 yards on nine attempts this season, 1.8 yards per carry. Uh, and you mentioned how good the Ravens have been, fourth-ranked rush defense. Uh, 88.2 yards per game allowed on the ground. So I really don't think they put it in his hands much. And while, you know, the Rotowire uh, lineup optimizers, you know, spits out Josh Harris, a large part of the reason is that price, 3500 very enticing. But uh, I, I just think it's hard to trust given the, the lack of a body of work and how good the Ravens have been. I can't trust the guy. No, I, I don't I don't want to take the chance uh, on him against that Ravens defense, especially in the week where they get Haloti Nada back from his suspension too. I think that yeah. gives them – yet another big body up front who could make things really difficult on the ground uh, for the Steelers. Maybe with Harris, you're just hoping for 30 yards and a touchdown, but that's not even worth rolling the dice on, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, at that price. As far as the receivers go, and even the tight end, Keith Miller, I mean, I think you you see a lot of potential value here. Antonio Brown's the highest-priced receiver this week on DraftKings at 8,900. But if you move a little further down the price list, you're going to see Martavis Bryant at 4,100. I think he presents a little bit of value there because he has so much boom potential in any given week, and it comes with the the low floor because he's not a high-volume guy. Uh, but Marcus Wheaton's also very fairly priced at 3100 Would you consider building a stack where you just go with Brown, Wheaton, and Bryant along with Ben Roethlisberger and then trying to fill out the rest of your lineup around that? You know, I think I would go Roethlisberger, Brown, and, and Bryant. I think I'd leave Wheaton out there. I mean, Bryant... I mean, the price on DraftKings is really good, 4100 And you get, I mean, it's just about the per play, per target numbers with him. I mean, you're not going to be banking on a lot of targets, but uh, I think he's going to do a lot with the ones he gets. And uh, I think that makes makes for a very strong play. And we talked about the thin crop of tight ends this week. Heath Miller could be kind of a sneaky option. I mean, 3900 definitely uh, several steps below uh, Greg Olson and even Jason Witten in my mind. But this seems like a game where he could you know, end up getting a couple touchdowns. I know Big Ben loves him. I mean, he always raves about how he's, you know, pretty much the team MVP every year. So yeah, it just seems like a situation where maybe they get down to the goal line and without without Le'Veon Bell at their disposal, uh, they end up going with some, you know, play action short passes to Heath Miller. Not sure how much I believe in home road splits, but weirdly enough, Heath Miller, 12.4 fantasy points per game on DraftKings in eight home games compared to 8.1 fantasy points per game on the road. Very odd. Usually it's a non-factor in terms of football, but at least in this matchup seems a good spot for Heath Miller, again, given the aforementioned lack of of quality tight ends. Joe Flacco away from Baltimore seems to play at a much lower level, too. Mm -hmm. He's one of those players that with with quarterbacks, I buy a little bit more because your offense as a whole tends to take a little bit of a step back playing away. The crowd noise maybe is a little bit of a factor. So you get a few false starts, put yourself in some longer situations, whatever it might be that causes that. So I guess that's the kind of thing where 
I, I tend to steer away from certain certain players on the road, but it tends to be lower end guys like Flacco. You know, I don't yeah. care if if Aaron Rodgers is on the road; it doesn't really matter that he's away from <laughs> home. I mean, the opponent could be a factor to some extent, but there are there are a lot of guys at the position that are pretty much matchup proof. Yeah, Flacco's not in that that Matt Stafford on the road type of range for me, where I just completely avoid him. But uh, I'm not, you know. Some people are probably going to say, well, you know, Joe Flacco in the playoffs, you know, he's got that something in him to, you know, give him the spark when the, when the season's on the line and the games mean more. But I just don't really see it here. Uh, you know, we've seen since that Super Bowl run that Flacco has just been, uh, you know, league average at best, really. So uh, hard to see it. And I think Big Ben out, outshines him by a, a wide margin this week. Lo- love Big Ben's chances, especially with uh, how many attempts I'm expecting him to, to, to throw this week. Is Torrey Smith the player you're interested in? Because Pittsburgh's pass defense has been bad even when everyone's been on the field and everyone's been healthy. I mean, Torrey Smith, you're talking about a player that since week nine had a double-digit game, double-digit points game against the Steelers in week nine, 18.5 against the Titans, 14.8 against the Saints, 24.5 against the Chargers, a donut against the Dolphins, 3.6 points against the Jags in week 15, and then 22.9 against Houston before 18.3 mm-hmm. in week 17. He's been up and down, but it's been a lot more good than bad here in the second half of the season. At 5,400, are you buying in? At that price, I don't think so. Uh, I'd probably be more inclined to you know save a couple hundred dollars, maybe go with Steve Smith. I mean, he's a reliable veteran. You might as well you know, give him some consideration. Torrey Smith, I mean, that's not a, a much of a price difference, but it's enough to where, uh, you know, you maybe upgrade a tight end or even at uh, a running back if, if you choose to use your money that way. I just, Torrey Smith is too inconsistent for me to pay that that type of premium for him. Um, you know, maybe if you do stack up with, with a guy like Antonio Brown and you want somebody uh, who you at least know is going to get targets, then maybe I could see it. But uh, personally, I'm going to I'm going to steer elsewhere. So looking at Saturday's games, prediction time with the Cardinals going on the road to Carolina. Who do you think wins that game? You know, this is one where I could see the Cardinals coming out of this winners. I mean, I I admire Bruce Arians, but I just have to trust my gut and stick with the Panthers. I just don't see uh, how they could flounder this one away after the winning four straight to to make the playoffs. I just think they keep it rolling. Uh, Cardinals put up an effort, cover the spread, but but don't win. We've seen this time and time again. It's a lot about who is the hot team down the stretch. I think the Carolina Panthers might be a little bit more dangerous than people yeah. realize. I, I think they're shootout prone because of their defense. Again, as we mentioned, the pass rush has, has regressed, and the secondary has been vulnerable to big plays. And I think what I have etched in my mind is that game against the Packers. I think it was like week six, week seven. Carolina defense looked horrible and cam newton didn't look healthy then maybe he's healthier now than he's been at other points this year if he gets into a groove that changes a lot in terms of how teams have to defend the carolina offense but i'm with you i think carolina wins this game i think six and a half is a big number for them to cover so if i were if i were in vegas i might be tempted to take the cardinals with the points but i think it could be a pretty low scoring game too it wouldn't surprise me if this one comes out like 21 17 panthers or something along those lines as far as the steelers and ravens go there really isn't much that separates these teams, and I think with, with Le'Veon Bell out, it, it just makes the Steelers more one-dimensional. E- even though the Ravens have struggled against the pass, I, I think the Ravens are actually going to go ahead and pull off the upset here. I mean, I, I think this is a team that it's off, they're often better than we give them credit for. I think the Steelers have been so vulnerable in the secondary that a couple of big plays, whether it's Steve Smith or Torrey Smith on the receiving end of those, could leave them very vulnerable. And I think if the Ravens know the Steelers can't run the ball, they can drop more players in the coverage. They can drop more guys back, and that ultimately may take away some of those issues they've had. Yeah, this one's tough for me, too. I'm going to take the Steelers. I mean, it's it's kind of boring. I'm leaning toward the home favorites in a lot of these games. But, uh, again, I, I kind of think the Big Ben having to throw it a lot will kind of help the Steelers in terms of putting up yardage and points. Yeah, you're right. They could drop more guys back probably play a lot of nickel and dime defense but i i just think uh, pittsburgh at home they're going to do enough to get the job done it's going to be close and uh, i could see it going either way but i'm going to slightly lean pittsburgh uh, i think they escape here and then if they get Le'Veon back for the divisional round uh, watch out because that could be scary and i also did want to say just about the one final thing about the cardinals panthers game you know the cardinals d or i'm sorry the panthers d was really bad especially against the pass early on uh 
but but they definitely improved as the season wore on. Finished actually 11th against the pass, so uh, fairly respectable. You're right, prone to the big plays, 46 plays of 20-plus yards, but I just wanted to point that out that uh, that late-season run really pushed them up because I definitely picked on them uh, in daily early on and recommended plays against them, but uh, impressive that they were able to shoot up as much as they were over the final couple weeks. Yeah, it could be something where you look at them possibly going into Green Bay again at, yeah. at some point, and, and maybe there would be this sort of air of overconfidence just based on how lopsided that game was mm-hmm. the first time, but I don't know. I still I still don't see a scenario where Carolina wins more than this game. I, I just I don't see them going multiple games in the playoffs, even though they are hot right mm-hmm. now. Let's move on to the Sunday slate. Uh, the early kickoff on Sunday at 105 Eastern is the Bengals and Colts. The Bengals going on the road for this one. Colts, three-and-a-half-point favorites. I imagine for Vegas, the Bengals present a lot of unique challenges week in and week out. This is a very inconsistent team. Mm-hmm. We often see Andy Dalton struggle on the big stage, and I think things are going to be even worse for him this week because A.J. Green is officially listed as doubtful to play after he suffered that concussion during Sunday's game against Pittsburgh. I, I, I mean, doubtful is exactly that. I just I don't expect him to play. I, I yeah. didn't expect him to play when I saw that hit because it, it just looked like one of those scenarios where he's going to need a couple of weeks to, to get healthy. Even if Green played, I think I'd take the Colts, and I'm, I'm surprised this line isn't a little bit bigger. Like I, yeah. I think the Colts are going to cover the three and a half. I think this is going to be a game where... If Andy Dalton can minimize the mistakes, it's probably one that comes out lower scoring than expected. I think it has the highest over-under on the board. Mm-hmm. I think if I were looking over-under, I might expect it to finish below the over-under total. And I think it's a function of the Bengals' defense being capable of showing up and stopping a good offense. We've seen that on a few occasions this year. Yeah, and how poorly Andrew Luck and the Colts looked uh, to end the season. You know, it's I'm with you. I think this will be lower scoring than a lot, expect, a lot of people expect. And I... I really want to take the Bengals in this game, but Andy Dalton, uh, I mean, at least it's not in prime time. That, that's one thing. But I, I just think this is too big of a game for him on the road. Don't see him. And without his best receiver, his best uh, option really to, to ease the burden, I just don't see him getting the job done. I'm going to take the Colts. Uh, I do, I mean, I'm kind of surprised that the line isn't a little bigger here. Uh, I think the Colts are probably more deserving of four and a half, maybe five and a half. Uh, especially with Green out. Maybe that line will change with, with this official designation coming out here. Uh, you know, I'm from Cincinnati area. Never was a huge Bengals fan. I have family, though, that is really, in, you know, very close to the Bengals, follow them and cheer for them a lot. But I just don't see them getting the job done. Uh, I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to take the Colts here. But, the, but a big thing for me, though, and this one is Mohamed Sanu, keeping an eye on him. Of course, when Green out earlier in the year, he was a PPR stud. Uh, price on DraftKings is really outstanding, forty two hundred. But Derek, is that is that maybe too obvious of a choice here? Maybe he's a good cash game play and a guy that in a tournament you, you can look at one of two ways. You can say he's a must own in case he goes off, or he's the must fade mm-hmm. if you want to do better than just cash in a tournament. So I think it really depends on your strategy and, and which which setting, which uh, contest I guess you're playing in. I'm looking at the matchup, too. I mean, Sanu would get Vontae Davis, if I'm not mistaken. That's a pretty tough individual matchup, too. I think Davis, at a couple points this year, has graded out as one of the best corners in the league. So the volume should be there. But again, I think this game plan for the Bengals, you should run like crazy. you got mm-hmm. Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard. If they don't run the ball at least 35 times, they're setting themselves up to fail. Now, I realize that the Colts' offense has a big day and they hit some big plays, you're not going to have the luxury of running the ball that much. But if if the Bengals can keep it close defensively, one way they can really neutralize that Colts offense, control the clock, control time of possession, and ultimately you're going to go real heavy with your backs in that scenario. So I'm expecting the Colts to win. I'm thinking like 27-17. So Mm -hmm. a tick below the over-under, but a reasonably easy win wouldn't surprise me. I just have no faith in Andy Dalton, especially when you take A.J. Green out of the equation. Let's take a look here at the Lions and Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys are, are, are I believe, are, are they six-and-a-half-point favorites in this one? Mm-hmm. It's a 440 Eastern kickoff. Kelvin Johnson returned to practice on Thursday. He doesn't seem to have any issues with the ankle right now. I mean, he's playing at less than 100%, but he's close enough to it where I feel pretty good about him, even at the high price. Uh, last week, it was revealed during that Green Bay game that Matthew Stafford is 0-15 on the road against winning teams in his career now Dallas has had a ton of issues in December and January over the last few seasons is there any reason to think 
that maybe Matthew Stafford gets that first win on the road against a winning team on Sunday. You know, I I just don't see it happening. I mean, I couldn't believe that stat when they said it, and even Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were like, well, we had to research this and look it up like 10 times just to be sure. But uh, pretty amazing, and I just don't think Stafford – uh, I don't think he's that good, to be completely honest. I, I don't think he's the kind of guy who can go into Dallas. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the, the late season struggles they've had in recent years, but they they look like a more confident team this time around. You know, not a huge Jason Garrett fan, but I kind of liked his post game speech last week. Uh, seems like the guys are hungry, uh, and it seems like there's also been rumors that maybe Garrett's job could be on the line if they were to lose this game. And I, I mean, I don't really see that being the case, but you know, I think the players show up. Uh, you know they want to get over this hump that they've been in, uh, that they've failed to get over in recent years. They've been, of course, we're eight and eight in each of the previous three campaigns, and I just think this is a game where they kind of. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they blew the Lions out. To be completely honest, I think they they take away Calvin Johnson, maybe Golden Tate steps up and has a decent game, but uh, I think the Cowboys, you know, are able to run it even with Sue uh, his suspension overturned. I, I still think they they pounded on the ground, have some success there, uh, and then. You know, Tony Romo's been playing out out of his mind as well. Uh, Des Bryant, I think they they connect for a couple scores and uh, really kind of run run the Lions out of town. I mean, the Lions have gone twenty three seasons without winning a playoff game. Seven straight postseason losses: ninety one, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, ninety seven, ninety nine, and twenty eleven. Can they break that cycle? I feel like they actually have a chance, even though Stafford's been just awful against good teams on the road throughout his career I think there's one thing about this team that makes them a particularly difficult matchup for the Cowboys the Lions are good against the run they're strong inside the fact that Indominus Sue's suspension was overturned that's a big difference in terms of what this Lions front can do maybe slowing down DeMarco Murray a little bit now Tony Romo is one of those players I, I think he gets an unnecessarily bad rap when he makes mistakes I don't think he's that bad I think he's actually much better than people want to give him credit for that being said if you get back to the Dallas pre-2014 offense where Romo throws the ball 35 or 40 times it gives your secondary a chance to make a few big plays and I, I think this game actually comes out pretty tight I think of all the teams in the postseason Dallas might match up worse against the Lions than any other team in the NFC right now. I mean, they went into Seattle and beat Seattle earlier this year, which probably gives me some excessive confidence in Dallas's ability against a team like the Seahawks. But I think the, I think the Lions might be able to figure something out here against this Dallas defense. They can run it pretty well with Joyk Bell and mm-hmm. Reggie Bush. I think Stafford, if you, if, you, if you call a good game as an offensive coordinator, if Joe Lombardi actually calls a good game, puts him in a position to succeed, Golden Tate, could be pretty useful. And I think Calvin Johnson, like I said, he's healthy enough to contribute. So I'm actually back in the Lions as, as my contrarian tournament play. Oh, I like that. Because I'm going Stafford. I want to go Megatron. And I want Golden Tate. Golden Tate's at $5,500. I know he's only scored once in the second half of the season. I'm thinking more in terms of volume. I mean, I, I think this is going to be one of those games that both teams put a lot of points on the board. A couple of turnovers from the Cowboys could make them play a little bit tight. They haven't been in this position for a long time. It, is, it wouldn't surprise me if DeMarco Murray, especially with the hand injury still being a little bit of an issue, if maybe he doesn't produce anything close to the level we saw for most of the season. Yeah, I, I hope you're right, certainly. I don't want to see the Cowboys come into Lambeau next week. Uh, that's a terrible matchup for Green Bay. But, yeah, I think this is uh, a nice matchup for the Lions. I, I, I just don't see Stafford getting it done, but it, I could certainly see, and I think maybe that line is a bit too uh, generous. Now, I want to know, Derek, I mean, you mentioned all the the reasons uh, to fade Murray, but do you think at 8,800 that maybe too many people will and that there could be some profit to be had there? Well, I think what it does, it forces you to use cheaper receivers. I mean, there's there's only there were only two running backs even priced anywhere near that level. Murray at 8,800, and I think Le'Veon Bell was at uh, an even 9,000. But since Bell's not playing, Murray's the only premier back with that high price tag. So you might find a decent number of teams that that lean on Murray and pair him with a guy like Jeremy Hill at 6200 who I think is a good price Stewart who we talked about at 5300 Joe Bell at 55 I feel like there's some decent value to pick from for that second running back spot so you might see people go that direction but I I just Murray to me I I know he ran well against Washington and Washington's run defense has been actually pretty Mm -hmm. good this year 
But after seeing the way he was favoring that hand in Week 16 against the Colts, I just worry there's that possibility that he has a set, like a setback of some kind and just isn't quite the guy he was mm-hmm. earlier in the year. But again, I mean, Dallas has plenty of weapons. Maybe maybe Terrence Williams is the guy that if you're looking to build a tournament lineup, maybe he's someone you want to go after. I know week in and week out he's been a lot more famine than feast, but he does get targets inside the red zone. It's only 3400 Yeah, yeah he's $3,400 this week. I think that's maybe worth looking at. Yeah, I could see that. And you mentioned Golden Tate earlier, and uh, you know a lot of people will look at that one touchdown in his final eight games, but you have to remember DraftKings is PPR, and I think at 5500 uh, you're at least going to get your money's worth there, uh, and there's significant room for profit as well. And if Calvin Johnson, I mean, looks like he will be close to 100%, but even if he's slightly hobbled, uh, maybe if the little... Uh, Cowboys make it a priority to, to take him away, double team him regularly. It could create a lot of opportunities for Golden Tate. And it's not like they have, you know, Eric Ebron really been disappointing this year. I don't really think he uh, takes on a, a more significant role in this game. Well, this is going to be my, my big upset of the week, though. I mean, I, I, I like the the courage there. To do I, that. I mentioned I mentioned the Ravens earlier. That to me is not that much of an upset. It's more of a home field advantage. It sort of favorite in Pittsburgh but this one is one of the Lions is clearly favoring the Cowboys I expect the Lions to actually come in win this game and, and the woes to continue uh, in Big D it's yeah. playoff time and fantasy football is still fantasy football season is still going on at DraftKings.com DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you could win enormous cash prizes every week last year one player turned 11 bucks into 4,000 in one weekend another one 100 grand is first time ever playing this season alone, eight players have won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Play one week fantasy at DraftKings.com this weekend to win huge cash. Hurry, head over to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry. DraftKings.com, bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. So let's look ahead, Clay, at some of the divisional round matchups. Because I think when you're when you're building a team for a playoff pool, I mean, there's two kinds of playoff pools. There's the kind where you build your team at the very beginning of the playoffs, and you continue to accrue points as long as you have players staying in. When you do that, you got to bankroll a team in the AFC and try to bankroll a team in the NFC and hope you max out the number of games. A lot of it, uh, strategy-wise, depends on where you pick in the draft order because you may not be able to get the players on the team that you want. But in order to even have a strategy you got to start looking ahead to some of their matchups and get a feel for what you expect to happen. Now, with your picks, as far as the first round goes, it leaves these matchups. So I want to know who you, who you have next week in advance. And you've got the Colts going on the road to New England to play the Patriots. So who, who do you have in that game? Yeah, well, this week they're all pretty boring. I mean, like I said, taking the, the home favorites in each one. And, uh, well, that it rarely ever goes that way. I just don't want to overthink it this week. But... I think it'll be a different case in the divisional round. I think the Colts, uh, I could see them going into New England and, and picking up a victory. I, I really think that that's uh, a very possible scenario. Uh, Andrew Luck on the road, I mean, it's it just seems like maybe it's his time to finally break out. And I mean, he, he broke out this season, of course, statistically, but to finally put his stamp on the postseason, uh, picking, up a, picking up a signature win over the first seed uh, Patriots, I, I kind of see that it going that way. And uh, I, I could see, you know, a guy like Dan Heron uh, proving to be a nice value in in type of leagues that you just talked about, because uh, I doubt that he was, uh, you know, a first round pick in, in most of those formats. Yeah, I could definitely see something along those lines. Now, Steelers at Broncos would be your other AFC matchup. And is there any reason to think the Steelers could actually get through and, and win a game on the road in Denver? You know, I haven't really loved what I've seen from from Denver lately. I, I know, I think they've made it more of a priority to establish a ground a ground attack uh you know in preparation for for a long postseason run you know ease the burden on Peyton Manning but like I said I'm pretty high on the Steelers team uh some issues uh, defensively no doubt but uh, I just seeing Peyton Manning recently I think it's pretty clear that he's on the decline and uh you know I don't know what the weather would would be like but if, if it's a cold weather game Maybe he struggles a bit. Maybe some of the passes sail on him, as, as we've seen. Uh, could certainly happen. I could see the Pittsburgh Steelers winning this game and, and advancing to the AFC Championship. Um, that's that's one of my surprise picks for, for the divisional round. Interesting. We I mean, we spoiled on that one even in the first round. Now on the NFC side, 
what do you have here? You got the Panthers going into Seattle, and you've got the Cowboys going on the road to Green Bay. Do the seeds hold up, or do you see an upset on the NFC side? You know, I'm with you with the, the Panthers. You know, improbable run ending uh, next week. I think the Seahawks. Seahawks come out with the victory there, but this one hurts me to say. I'm going to take the Cowboys over the Packers. You know, I, I'm not too worried about Aaron Rodgers' calf by any means, but I'm more so worried about the the Packers' ability to stop the run. I mean, granted, since Clay Matthews has moved in the inside position, they've been better, but uh, we saw last week that they're still not still not anywhere near you know a, a top tier team against the run, and I, I think the Cowboys you know, put it down their throat and. Uh, you know, finally, finally break through to that championship game, and uh, you know, give us a rematch of that early season game where the Cowboys beat the Seahawks. I think that'll be an intriguing game. I just think the Packers have too many holes uh, defensively. Maybe Rodgers not a hundred percent hurts, and uh, I just think it, I see it being a, a bitter end for Packers fans. I hate to say it, it it'd be it'd be tough to, to see it shake out like that. So. That leaves you with a pretty unique Final Four. That would leave you with Colts and Steelers on the AFC side and Seahawks-Cowboys on the NFC side. I believe the Colts would have to go on the road to Pittsburgh in a game like that, and then Seattle would host Dallas. Who comes out as the conference champions? I'm going to stick with the Steelers, and I'm also going to go with the Cowboys on the NFC side. Give us a classic 90s, uh, well, I guess it would be you know, 80s, 90s, you know, an old-school Super Bowl of uh, Steelers-Cowboys. Uh, I don't love it, but I think those two teams, those two quarterbacks have enough going right now. Uh, Steelers get Le'Veon back for the divisional round. It would be huge, and as long as DeMarco Murray is healthy and they're able to get past the, the Lions this week, uh, I like their chances. I know you have them uh, losing in a, in a big upset, but uh, I think they, they reach the Super Bowl this year and maybe even win it. Yeah, I've got the Lions as my big upset this weekend. It puts them on the road at Seattle next weekend. I've got the Panthers holding serve against the Cards. That puts the Panthers in Green Bay. Rematch what we saw earlier this year. I think Green Bay wins in a closer game in that one. I think Seattle knocks out the Lions. So you have Packers-Seahawks as the NFC Championship game. On the AFC side, i got the Ravens over the Steelers. So the Ravens would go on the road to play New England, while the Colts would go on the road to play Denver. I think in this those matchups, I mean, the Ravens have had the Patriots number in the playoffs. I, I would expect the Patriots to win with the extra prep time. So it'd be Patriots and Broncos. I, mean, I think the Broncos at home would be too much for the Colts to handle. The Colts are just a little bit too inconsistent for me. And defensively, I think they would really struggle against Peyton Manning and company. So I'd have Broncos, Patriots, and Packers, Seahawks. A lot of chalk in mine uh, in my predictions as far as how I think these playoffs are going to go. I see the Patriots beating the Broncos, though. I just don't think Denver's good enough to go on the road and beat a team like New England at this point. We've seen just too much uh, inconsistency from them, too. I mean, they're kind of like the Bengals in some ways, but without the quarterback woes, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Packers-Seahawks matchup, I think it would turn out differently than it did back in Week 1, and the main reason for that, Eddie Lacy got dinged up in that game, and Mike McCarthy's game plan was awful. I don't, I don't think he would avoid Richard Sherman the same way that he did uh, the other thing, I mean, like you make the field smaller against Seattle, it doesn't work. I think he proved that. He would try something completely different. That would bode well. But Lacey looks like he's got a little more burst now than he had earlier in the year. I think that bodes well. I think a lot of Seattle's success here down the stretch, as good of a team as they are, they picked on a very weak schedule. I mean, they saw San Francisco a couple times in a short span. San Francisco wasn't even close to a team that we expected them to be. They were far from elite. Mm-hmm. And you know, they saw Seattle late. Uh, they, they saw Arizona late. I mean, they're just weak, weak quarterbacks, and I just think that's going to catch up to them eventually. I don't think Matthew Stafford's going into Seattle and beating the Seahawks, but I think the Lions' playoff drought, I think that ends. I think they win one before they lose to Seattle. I have a Packers-Patriots Super Bowl when it's all said and done, another 90s rematch, a late yeah. 90s rematch. I think things will get pretty heated around the office here. You think back to that game earlier this year, very close game at Lambeau. You put them on a neutral field. I mean, that might be a pick em, or maybe the Packers are favored by a point or a point and a half at most, but mm-hmm. that would be an outstanding Super Bowl just in terms of thinking about how that first game from those two teams played out. Yeah, I think everybody, when that game first happened, everybody said, this is a this is a Super Bowl preview, and I, I would like to see that. I just don't know if, if it'll shake out that way. Uh I am hoping the Packers get another chance at the Seahawks, though. You're right. I mean, Mike McCarthy said, 
you know, it wasn't like we made a concerted effort to to avoid Richard Sherman, but that was that was a blatant lie, if you ask me. I mean, they just did not throw his direction even once, I don't believe. Uh, so yeah, if you you cut the field in half, you have Eddie Lacy banged up. Uh, you know, that's a recipe for disaster, and that's what that game was. But uh, that was back in you know what September sixth or something. It was so long ago that I think these two teams have have changed a lot. Of course. Seahawks have have definitely gotten their swagger back after you know a, a little bit of a, a lull there in the, in the middle weeks of the season. Uh, they reshaped their team, of course, dealing Percy Harvin. It seems like they you know, reformed that chemistry that they had from the Super Bowl run. But I just think uh, if that were the case, of course, I have the Packers losing to the Cowboys. Uh, I, I think the Packers definitely could go into Seattle and pick up a win. Uh, but that is really obviously one of the toughest place in, places in the league to play. Uh, would be a great, great uh, game to see. But I do th- hope that, uh, you know, we, we get some great playoff matches regardless of how these shake out. I just am thinking uh, that it'll kind of be by the book as expected this week, but then the, the big shakeups will happen next week. Thinking about ways to max out games played, if you're playing in one of those formats where you build your team today or, or tomorrow before the games start and hold players throughout, you don't have any transactions that you can make, couple teams stand out to me as potential sources of value. I mean, if you can't pick your favorite, and again, you should go through the exercise of how you expect everything to play out, calculate the number of games you're expecting, and try to target players in opposite conferences on that list and, and just max out that way. For me, one team that I think could play as many as three games, and for some people they're going to pencil them in for one, that's the Ravens. I mentioned their, their success against the Patriots in the postseason. I mean, even though I picked the Patriots to to pass that to to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, that's one that's the trouble spot for me. I almost feel like the matchup against Baltimore somehow is more difficult for them than the matchup against the Broncos. And you know, if, if the Ravens beat the Steelers, even if they don't, the one game they get against Pittsburgh should be a pretty good offensive performance. The one thing that may keep that from materializing to the full potential, I've heard some pretty negative weather reports for that Ravens Steelers game. And that could make things really difficult on Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, if that's interesting. If that holds up, if you're talking high 30s and rain or wind or whatever it might be, and the Steelers have to throw it a lot, that could be really problematic. Yeah. Whereas the Ravens, if they can get Justin Forsett going, that bodes well. And again, Pittsburgh's defense, I think, is just a little bit weaker across the board than the Ravens, even though both teams have really struggled uh, against the pass so far this year. So I think the Ravens are my AFC team, but I could see playing a few more games than most people expect. I think on the on the NFC side, I'd be more inclined to say it's Detroit than Carolina, but I could see either one of those teams maybe surprising. I, I just don't Carolina on the road at Seattle. I, I don't see that happening. Whereas if the Lions had to go into Seattle, I guess because of their defense, I just think they're more capable of pulling off an upset than yeah. than a lot of the kind of lower end wild card round teams. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out about the uh, Steelers Ravens game. I'm gonna have to keep an eye on that forecast leading up to that game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, of course I'm in the other boat. I think the Steelers are, are a great team to, to use in those kind of formats. But I think it's something, a strategy that I'd, I'd use. I'm not in a pool like that this year, but I'd go after players on teams that are playing this week and kind of fade those uh, those teams on, uh, players on teams with the first round by just because, you know, then you at least guarantee yourself production this week. And, you know, we've seen it at least at times. I mean, maybe it's been disproven uh, to a certain extent recently. But, you know, the, the first round by, I mean, does that affect chemistry? I mean, I feel like it, it does. You know, you get a week to sit. Yeah, you get a week to be healthy, but it kind of takes you out of your rhythm uh, that you've that you've been getting in this past couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, if you, you largely target, you know, Broncos or, you know, Packers, then uh, you're going to have to you know, deal without having that production this week. And then you're not, not guaranteed by any means – having production in the weeks ahead. So I just think uh, you stack up with guys who are going to help you right away and then uh, make do with, with what you got in the weeks ahead. I think it's team or player specific. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you're giving Manning or Brady or Rodgers extra time, that's not a bad thing at all, especially Rodgers with the, with the leg injury, getting the extra rest. I would expect that he'll be fine by next weekend. On the flip side of that, if, if you take a less experienced team and give them a break when they've been playing well, I mean, Seattle's on a roll, even though they've had a weak schedule. A week off, even though it's not a bad thing, it just may not be as beneficial to them given the circumstances as it would be to those other teams. But I think it is kind of unique to each 
organization where they're at in their season and how things have been going recently. I mean, with the Broncos really not playing well, that extra time to, to figure some things out maybe was a good, really good thing. It may have been perfectly timed for them to have that buy. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. And with a guy like Peyton Manning, who's such a preparation freak, that that is probably a good point. But I just feel like, you know, maybe, you know, these teams who are playing this week, they, they get a big win. If, if they advance, obviously they had a big playoff win. You get that momentum building. And then you hit go up against a team that, that was off, doesn't really have any momentum to speak of. Uh, yeah, they have the home field advantage, but we've seen it time again. These these road teams come in, and uh, you know they have that that confidence, that swagger from that previous victory, and they they carry it over and are able to main, maintain success. Now I want to talk about a few contrarian plays because that to me is the more fun way to enter a DraftKings tournament. You got to find mm-hmm. a few guys that the pool doesn't like, and and that presents some value. And what that does is it gives you that foundation of two or three players that might be higher priced that tend to give you that consistent week-in and week-out production. I think if you're looking at contrarian quarterbacks, there are probably three guys that really fit the bill, maybe four if you think Matthew Stafford is an option. But in terms of price, Matthew Stafford's only $400 cheaper than Cam Newton, and Cam Newton's the second-most expensive quarterback this week. So I kind of lump like Andrew Lux in his own tier, mm-hmm. then you have Newton, Romo, Roethlisberger, Stafford within $400 of each other, and you've got Flacco at 6700 Dalton at 61 and Ryan Lindley at 52. I mentioned earlier, I, w- I wouldn't go anywhere near Ryan Lindley. It's too risky even for that strategy. But Dalton at 6,100, I feel like what he could do is, is still good enough to where I- I'm okay with it. I, I don't think that di- there's, is there that much of a difference other than maybe the Colts' defense being a little better than Pittsburgh's between Dalton and Flacco both being on the road? No, I really don't think there is much at all, even with A.J. Green likely out. I... I mean, Flacco's just hard to trust from a fantasy perspective. He's he's had those big games. Didn't he have like a six TD game earlier this year? But aside from that, can you really think of any huge games he's posted? I, I really can't. And while Andy Dalton maybe doesn't have that, that type of upside, uh, I think his floor is right around the, that same level as Flacco. So I would certainly give him some consideration. Uh, I think he's a, that's a very good contrarian play. And another guy I kind of like... Uh, just because of how well I thought he looked last week was is Reggie Bush. I mean, of course, Joyk Bell is going to get most of the work, and he's up at 5,500 on DraftKings. But Reggie Bush at 4,800, uh, I think they look to get him slightly more involved now that that ankle issue seems to finally be behind him. Uh, took a long time. And another guy we, we mentioned uh, kind of in passing earlier is that's Dan Heron. Uh, he's even cheaper than Reggie Bush at 4,700. And I think those two guys could, could end up returning surprising value i like a bit bush a bit more uh, that's a mouthful uh just because it's ppr looking at the other options at running back if, if you have bush let's just say you use dalton at 6100 and maybe flacco ends up being a fit you can kind of look at this at the end of the exercise and decide if you have the flexibility if, if you were to build around dalton and reggie bush at 6100 and 4800 respectively jeremy hill at 6200 is the running back I would definitely want. Mm-hmm. Because even if Dalton plays well, I feel like Jeremy Hill also has to play well. Yeah. Those things kind of are tied together. Uh, and I think part of the game plan, again, pound the ball with Hill, pound the ball with Gio Bernard, let Andy Dalton throw it a little bit, and just be selective about where you take those shots. And maybe the, the ceiling isn't that high with Dalton, but at the same time, there's also that possibility that this game falls into a shootout. It has the mm-hmm. ho- highest overrunner on the board, if you can get a quarterback in the highest over-under on the board, you should probably do that, especially when the price is as low as it is. But what that does, when you build with Dalton, Hill, and Bush, it leaves you a decent amount of money, almost 33000 for your final six spots, your three receivers, your tight end, your flex, and your defense. And it gives you that flexibility to probably go ahead and, and take maybe even two of the top receivers. You can have your yeah. choice of two of Antonio Brown, Des Bryant, and Kelvin Johnson. And I guess the question yeah. becomes, which two do you actually want if you had the choice of any two of the three. I want Antonio Brown and Des Bryant. Um, and I think you could do that and then maybe pair, well, maybe maybe you go Antonio and Calvin, and then instead of Des, you go Terrence Williams, who you mentioned earlier at 3,400. I think if you have Dalton, Bush, and Terrence Williams, then you can definitely afford uh, those top two receiving options. And I think you're in pretty good shape then because, I mean, 3,400 for Terrence Williams – uh, is a really great price, and you pointed that out earlier, but I think that we really want to drill that in because uh, you know maybe ownership will be high, maybe that will deter some people, but I, I think that's 
too good of a bargain to pass up. Yeah, I think one of the things I, I do try to keep in mind when I'm building out uh, a daily lineup, even if it's a contrarian lineup, is that I don't have conflicting ideas as far mm-hmm. as what's likely to happen in a game. In order, in, you know, for Des and, and Terrence Williams to have a good game, Reggie Bush could have a good game too. I mean, that's a scenario where the Lions are trying to protect the lead, and the and the Cowboys have to throw it. You know, so that that sort of like fades Demarco Murray which we don't have DeMarco Murray on this roster, mm. and it pumps up the guys that would catch passes and, and see extra looks if the running game can't get off the ground. So I just try to double-check as you build out your lineup and just make sure that the pieces actually yeah. fit together. Now, what I do before I even go tight end or flex is I go down to my defense and special teams. I always want to just fill it out to know how much I actually have for those last two spots. Yeah. Panthers at 3500 again, they're the highest-priced defense on the board this weekend on DraftKings, uh, Steelers, Ravens, Colts, Lions, Cowboys, all between 3,000 and 3,200. Cardinals at 2,800. Pengals down at 1,900, which if you really want to save money and, and go against the grain, that, that's probably the ultimate contrarian play. I don't know if I'd go quite that far, though. Yeah, that's tough. I, I maybe, uh, yeah, and then the next highest is Cardinals at 2,800, so there's almost a $1,000 difference there. I could certainly see, you know, if you're feeling lucky, maybe going Bengals, but at, at Indy, uh, you'd have to you'd have to really uh, have high expectations for him. I think the Cardinals, though, I mean, we've seen how well that defense has played all season. And while you know the offense is is bound to struggle again, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I think there's some some profit there with the Cardinals' defense. I mean, Carolina uh, offensively has been kind of hit or miss. And if if they are able to bottle up Jonathan Stewart, then maybe Cam Newton has some troubles because we've seen him uh, with his accuracy uh, kind of up and down so far. Uh, even with their winning streak, he, he just hasn't been as sharp with his passes lately. Let's see what happens if we build with the Bengals. The only reason I want to do it is because with Dalton and Jeremy Hill, this lineup already needs the Bengals to play yeah, well to win. True. I mean, it, it, again, it could be the shootout lineup, which is why it's okay to not take the Bengals defense if the Cardinals are affordable. I haven't seen a defense price this cheap on DraftKings. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. Maybe I don't scroll down this far during the regular season because I find one within the top 10 that I feel good enough about. But 1900 for a defense is, is so cheap that it leaves us 5100 mm-hmm. for a tight end and a flex. We, we might get a really good flex going this yeah. route. We talked about Greg Olson as a potential must-own. We don't have any shares of any players in that Panthers-Cardinals game. Does that seem like the must-own grab since we can afford it? For me, I'd say yeah, because then you look at the next option, Kobe Fleener. Uh, not terrible, but he's only $500 cheaper, so you're not really saving a whole lot, a lot of money there. And maybe Jason Witten save a thousand dollars, but uh, I think if we're going with upside, you might as well go uh, Greg Olson, and uh, I think we have the money to do that. Am I right? How much we do we have right now? Well, we'll have fifty five hundred on Olson, so at least forty seven hundred for a flex, which is actually a decent amount. You look at guys at forty seven hundred. You yeah. can take Larry Fitzgerald. You can take Dan Heron. You can mm-hmm. take Jason Witten at forty five. Dre Archer at forty five hundred. Mohamed Sanu at forty two hundred. I think. I think you might have to do that. But we do have a lot of stock in the Bengals already. But, again, if, if you want to zig where everybody else zags, this would be one way to do it. So let's yeah. just say you, you were to plunk in Sanu. There's still 500 left on the table. And the only weak spot, really, I mean the weakest spot in the lineup is probably Terrence Williams at 3,400. So one thing I would do is I would take Williams out, throw Sanu in as that third receiver, yeah. and then just look again at the flex options at 3,900 to see – if there's something at one of the positions that I like better. And I, I could still go back to the lineup that I had hmm. if I want to, but for 3,900 at flex, is there anybody else you'd rather have in the lineup than Terrence Williams? You know, I, I don't see any. I mean, if we had a spare $200, say Martavis Bryant, but, uh, I mean, he's just at 4,100. But uh, if we really have to penny pinch, I mean, maybe Heath Miller. He's at right at that price range. I mean, Dwayne Allen, uh, I know he's you know going to have to – see some looks uh go to Fleener's direction probably not as involved as he was earlier in the year but um and Kerwin Williams who you mentioned but he's all the way down at 3700 so uh, maybe he's an option but then we could uh we'd probably have to rework some of the the other positions and uh just spread that money leftover money around uh even more I think I'm I'm tempted to go with Heath Miller I mean yeah. but it, this goes against something I had I had looked at in terms of my my outcome expectation where even if the Steelers lose, I expect Antonio Brown to get his. I don't even worry about my outcome there. With Miller, Miller having a good game probably hinges more on Steelers actually playing well 
Brown's just going to get his regardless. But <laughs> it, it could also be a shootout. You could see Baltimore and Pittsburgh surprisingly putting up 28-24 you know, maybe. I, <laughs> I could see that as, as like the high-end possibility. Hard to imagine those teams getting much more than that against each other, even, even though their defenses have been weak at times. So I, I am kind of torn as far as Miller. I don't like using that flex spot for another tight end. Yeah, I think that, that's part of where the, the drawback is. Maybe you leave some money on the board. Maybe you just take Terrence Williams because you're trying to sort of fade the group. And I guess Reggie Bush at 4,800, if you look at the receiver or the running back pool, you, you could go Jonathan Stewart at 53 instead as an option. I guess that becomes the, the other tipping point. Do you, do you prefer Reggie Bush against Dallas? Or do you like Jonathan Stewart better getting a larger volume against Arizona? Oh yeah, that's that's really tough. I I would say, uh, I think I uh, like Stewart. I mean, he's been yeah, getting a I lot guess. of carries. Like, you're talking almost twenty twenty a game every week since week fourteen, down to thirteen last week against Atlanta. But they got up so big in that game, they didn't have to run him anymore. Yeah, and, and he's been a big part of their success recently. And I I think they you know even if he's he struggles early, they're going to continue to ride him and give him opportunities. Yeah, uh, so I I think I would consider switching out. Bush for Stewart, but I realize that makes a lineup that looks a lot more like other people's lineups. Mm-hmm. So you, you may be willing to just eat the five hundred dollars and go another direction. Again, just just a just an illustrative way to look at what you can do if you're going contrarian. It mm-hmm. opens up the possibility. Our lineup comes up: Andy Dalton, Jonathan Stewart, Jeremy Hill, Antonio Brown, Des Bryant, Mohamed Sanu, Greg Olson, Terrence Williams, and the Bengals defense at that nineteen hundred price. You get those two elite receivers, and their production week in and week out is so stable that gives your your team a good floor. And the other pieces tend to kind of differentiate from the pack a little. I feel like Hill and Stewart at running back, that's going to be a commonly owned tandem. I mean, probably the, this, yeah. this lineup to me is contrarian as we tried to be. Probably didn't come out that unique. <laughs> yeah. it, it, part of that's the function of only having four games and, and it just being the playoffs too. You're not going to have as many random players that that sneak in. And I think a lot of people are going to look at the Bengals and say, "I got to find a way to spend nineteen hundred on this defense. I have to, I just have to fade the Colts because Andrew Luck, highest priced quarterback on the board. You know, maybe there won't be that many people that own him at all. Maybe the real contrarian lineup is to build one around Luck at eighty eight hundred and hope that the Colts just go off and and shred that Bengals defense. Yeah, or you know, as we mentioned too, that I don't like using the flex for a tight end, but maybe we replace Greg Olson with Heath Miller. Uh, free up, you know, over a hundred or over a thousand dollars to spend elsewhere. Actually, sixteen hundred, and you know, maybe you know, I just feel like Greg Olson will be widely owned. Uh, so maybe just go slightly more contrarian, Heath Miller, and then you can stock up. Uh, maybe bump, uh, you know, a guy like Terrence Terrence Williams out of there, or somebody else who uh, just kind of a fringe option and boost up elsewhere. Because uh, as you mentioned, that that running back tandem probably very widely owned and. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, that's the thing. I, I don't really love DeMarco, but uh, maybe if you're feeling lucky and, uh, you know, maybe you want to fade the, the Detroit defense, uh, you know, maybe if, if you have the money to spend, maybe go that route. The other thing you could do, if you make the change at tight end, if you go away from Greg Oles and you take mm-hmm. Heath Miller, the flex spot could actually have Reggie Bush in it, you know, and I think that's another, that's the area where you can really zig away from the field. I just don't think he's going to be owned that much. Dallas's defense on a per-carry basis a lot weaker than people realize. Yeah. And I think if Bush gets 10, 12, 14 touches especially, he's going yeah. to return PPR profit too. from that price. Yeah, from 4800 there's going to be some profit uh, available in there. But a lot of different ways you can attack it, and uh, hopefully uh, you guys can find some strategies on DraftKings that will work well for you this weekend. We're going to close things out with the Get to Know Your Host segment, Clay, and this one's a simple toss-up question. As far as table games, which do you prefer foosball or bubble hockey you know i'm gonna go table tennis but above those two options i'll say foosball uh you know we have one in the office i'd like to get more games under my belt uh really work my way up the the rankings here the roto rankings uh i know i'm i'm pretty low right now but you're you're right up there are you taking foosball i take foosball over bubble hockey it's close and if if yeah if table tennis were a choice table tennis over both yeah. uh, pool probably even over table tennis so if you're talking, if, if I'm building, if I'm building the man cave, I'm going pool table one, table tennis two, foos three, bubble hockey four. Part of the problem with bubble hockey is that I feel like there aren't many people who like playing it. Like I enjoy yeah. playing it, but a lot of I people like just are, are kind of put off by it for some reason. Like they just they just don't like hockey that much, or 
I, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, I I like it, but it's kind of reminds me of an old like arcade type of game that I played when I was a kid. And it was fun, but I just haven't really played it much as an adult. Uh, so you know, maybe it's not something you see out of bars, you know, that you really ever see uh, anywhere. So pretty rare. You <laughs> got to play the uh, the U.S. versus the USSR, though. That's the that's the main <laughs> that's the bubble hockey you want right. to find. Like, make sure you get the old uh, U.S. Soviet. Uh, game if you can find that yeah. version. I, I have great memories of, of just of table tennis uh, with, with Jake Latarski, who I hosted with on Thursdays this year. Uh, on our way out to Vegas, we, we had a layover at, at a at one airport, and they had a, a table tennis uh, you know set up, and, and we just played that uh, for hours, waiting for our plane. And, uh, I think more airports should install those, and just just a way to kill time. I'd be really happy. I like. I would actually skew more towards the two-hour layover as opposed to the 30-minute layover where I'm running through the airport because if, if I knew I could like just wail on somebody in table tennis for an hour, I'd probably be pretty sweaty, but I, I'd do it. Like I would I would plan on that. I'd show up and play and maybe even try to hustle some people for, for some cash too because table tennis, I'm, I'm, I'm decent. I'm pretty pretty decent at table tennis. I mean, I'm a tennis player anyway, so nice. the natural transition is uh, is pretty easy. The, I like to think I'm I'm decent, but I, I definitely cracked a sweat and dropped a couple games to Jake. Well, you got the, you got the lefty thing going on yeah, too, right? That's true. That takes a few games to get used to, so okay. that could be tough in a, in a short series. Thank you for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out Rotowire free for the next ten days by going to Rotowire.com/slash pod again this is the final football podcast episode of the season our baseball podcast will start up again in february so be sure to check that out if you're getting ready for the upcoming baseball season for clay link mike doria james anderson adam eichstead jake Litarski, nick whalen and mario puig we'll be back with you for football next summer enjoy the playoffs Your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores.